All right, gentlemen. Um, while we're kind of getting ourselves settled, I wonder if there, I just want to, we're going to have a, a time later uh, today to maybe do a little bit of Q&A and just kind of dialogue a little bit. But I thought just uh, quickly, briefly, are there some things that you want to ask a couple of questions, need some clarification, anything that's kind of just rolling through your mind that you think would be helpful for us to just briefly discuss before we jump into uh, the next teaching? Anything going through your minds? <clears throat> yeah, Ben. So the question has been really good question. Struggling with like how to structure a quiet time so it's not all just listening because you feel like we need to read the Bible and do some other things. So how would I structure that? So obviously, um, you know, we all have different seasons and patterns in our life. So anything that I'm about to say is not, you know, it's not a structure that everyone has to follow. Um, my current season, what it looks like, and that's, and that's how I would describe my, my walk with the Lord is it goes through seasons. There's seasons where it's like, I'm going to read through the Bible in one year. And that's the season I'm in. That's what he's called me to do. And there's seasons where I'm going to read one book of the Bible, but I'm going to read it all year, that one book. So there's, there's different things. Right, the season I'm in right now uh, looks like um, praying and just kind of centering and being still, but then, then going right to the text. And so I'm in a reading program right now. Um, it's like a hundred, and I can, I can send it to you guys or, or get Rob to send it to you, but it's basically a um, hundred stories through scripture. They've just taken the high, high points, a hundred of them throughout the entire Old and New Testament, and that's kind of what I'm walking through. I'm also walking through that with my family. When we eat dinner together, we read it together as a family. So uh, reading and then listening while I'm reading, so I'll read the text, and then I'm, I'm going through that journaling thing with the text. So I might read a verse or two, and I'll say, Father, what do you have to say to me from this text today? Listen, write down what I'm hearing. If there's nothing, I'm just enjoying being with him, fine. I'm going to move to the next section, and I will just read until I sense it's time to stop and listen. Then after that reading is done, then I will move into an intentional time of just sitting and listening to what the Father would say. So literally, I, I do all my quiet time on my computer. Um, and so I have a, a file folder, and I put, Father, what's on your heart right now for me? Or, we're going to talk about this today, what's on your heart for Jess, my wife? What's on your heart for my kids? What's on your heart for my church, for Dennis, for the elders? For... And so I just ask him, uh, and I sit and listen, and I write down what I hear. Um, so that's, that's, I, it's kind of like two, two different things. I'm doing the Bible reading and listening, and then I'm taking intentional time. Um, to just listen to the Lord. So, yep. And then there's prayer requests that I do at the end of that time. So, yeah, that's the season that I'm in right now. So, and that's a, that's a long time by the time you do all that. Uh, but that's the season that I'm in right now. Yep. Good question. Other thoughts, things that you're wrestling with? Yeah, Dennis. Right. Temple. Right. And uh, one of the, I think Mike is working through First Corinthians. And mm -hmm. There's this metaphor in Corinthians about uh, you know us building the temple. I think you can block or brick by brick. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I think about it when the you know let's say the physical temple in Jerusalem was built is if I recall. They didn't start worshiping until 
Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. When Paul uses the metaphor of building the temple or building a house, uh, and he's writing to a, a, a church, he's talking about this community becoming a temple so that they collectively now are being built up in the faith. So, um, so it's kind of like the confusion between saying we are individual temples, but we are also being built into the house of God, the temple of God as a church family. Um, so there are two different sort of polarities that are going through Paul's mind. Yes, it's important that we are the temple, but we're also built up as a house, the house of God, as the family of God. So, um, yeah, sanctification, it's also collective sanctification. Like we're, we're helping each other in community to grow. Yeah. Um, I would just say, and I don't think you meant to say this, but I would just say we don't have to wait until our sanctification is done to worship God. Um, it, yeah, and I don't think that's what you were saying, but I just want to clarify. The only, the only question that I had is in the physical temple in Jerusalem. I don't think that they started worshiping in, in that temple. And, and I'm saying that this is, it's kind of like Jesus flipped the whole thing. Right. And said, yeah. Right, right. I was not saying that. <laughs> okay. That would be impossible. Right, right, right. Other questions? Anything else? Again, we'll have a little bit more time to discuss and debrief a little bit later, but I wanted to just throw that opportunity to you. Okay, uh, if you make sure that you've got uh, the second handout, um, looks a little bit different. It looks the same in terms of the color here, but uh, a little bit different. You'll see um, Saturday message, responsibilities of a man of presence. Um, and so we're going to move move through here. Um, just, I just wanted to share a couple of things, just some practical things related to uh, last night, and then we'll move into this text. I uh, just want to submit a book to you guys. Um, if, if you're interested in what I've been talking about, the book is by Brother Lawrence. It's a classic text. Uh, the Practice of the Presence of God is what it's called. The Practice of the Presence of God. Um, Brother Lawrence is his name. Um, it's... It's so old that it's public domain at this point. I mean, you can pay for a copy, but, you know, you can get it online for free. Uh, it's basically a series of letters and, and back-and-forth uh, letters between Brother Lawrence, this monk, and various people who were asking him, how is it that you are walking the way you're walking? And he, he, was, a, he was a cook uh, in, in the monastery. <laughs> he, was a, he was a cook in this, uh, in this community of monks. And he just talks about how he's practicing the presence of God. Like while he's cooking, while he's processing food, literally chopping, he's practicing and worshiping God and practicing the presence of God while he's doing his tasks. So uh, I just want to submit that book to you. I read that in high school. It, I mean, it was one of those that just shifted my entire paradigm about the way I think about my relationship with God. Um, and then just some other helpful things uh, to consider when we, when we talk about wanting to practice the presence of God all day and, like, live the 24 hours that I have, like, even going to work, like, in the car, <laughs> sitting in a staff meeting, 
like practicing the presence of God, even in those almost mundane moments. Um, I just want to give some, some tips to you. One, um, consider the, 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 the discipline of thanksgiving. Um, so when I'm in staff meeting, and those aren't mundane, by the way, Dennis, I was just going to say. That's not a mundane process. <laughs> Uh, yeah I'm not present I'm not present I'm just kidding I'm just kidding totally kidding (laughs) we're going off the rails here um okay let's take it off a staff meeting so 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 uh, let's the way, one of the ways I have found to, to be mindful of the Lord is whatever I'm doing, I will just briefly just say, um, Father, thank you for this. Just thank you for this. Rather than feeling like I've got to, I've got to be in some you know, ecstatic moment of worship all day, that's, that is, that's unrealistic. Uh, it's unre- when I'm in the car, I can't be, because I've got you know, to look. I've got to drive. I, so um, the discipline of thanksgiving. Like, when I get in the car, I'm like, thank you, Lord, I got this car. I mean, thank you, I can go drive somewhere. And so I'm, I'm, I'm constantly saying thank you to Abba. So I just submit that to you. I think that's a really helpful, because um, sometimes people say, oh, well, I'm going to practice the presence all day today. And then you start off the day really good, and by the end of the day, you're like, I didn't think about him at all. Uh, that's happened to me a lot. So just the discipline of Thanksgiving, just giving thanks. Uh, and not just mealtime, right? But just giving thanks and just saying thank you. And just listen to maybe, maybe he responds. This happened to me several times, a lot. I'll say thank you for this. And then he'll just tell me something about his plans for this thing, whatever it is. So I just submit that to you, thanksgiving. Secondly, just practical tip for practicing the presence of God is the use of imagination. And I know that people um, sometimes... As adult men, we're just like, that's kiddie stuff to use your imagination. Like it's kiddie to to picture something. But the fact of the matter is God has given us our imagination. God has given it to us. It's a gift. And so literally, when I'm driving in the car, if I'm by myself, I'm driving the car, I picture Jesus sitting right next to me in the car. Because I want to be with him today. You'll see what I'm saying? And you may say, well, that's weird. He's not sitting next to you. Yeah, you're right. He's not sitting next to me. He's actually inside of me, but it's hard for me to picture that. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm just trying to come up with a way to just be mindful that he's with me. So when I sit down in staff meeting, he sits with me. And when I'm throwing the football with Caden, he's throwing with us. There's that sense that he's with me in what I'm doing. So I just I submit to you, sanctified imagination is not a bad thing, and it is a very, very helpful thing in the kingdom. Um, so just a couple of tips just to kind of help with practicing the presence. Being thankful and just kind of always saying thank you for what's in front of me, and then using imagination. Okay? Okay. Let's jump in. Um, last night we talked about becoming a man of presence. And what does that mean kind of individually? And this morning we're looking at what would be the responsibilities of a man of presence? What would be the, the things that we would do 
and that we would be about. And when I first started thinking about um, these messages, this image came to mind. One of my favorite characters and favorite movie, um, he's, a, he's a, a book character, but also a movie character, is the character James Bond. Y'all know James Bond? Secret agent? And there's something about this guy. Um, of course, I look back at the movies now, and some of it is completely inappropriate for what I was watching as a kid. But, <laughs> right? I mean, um, but I, w- I was captured by this man, um, and this is what I was captured by. When James Bond went to confront the bad guy, let's say that he went to the bad guy's lair or went to some place where the bad guy's hanging out, he never used an alias. Did you notice that? Like he never like made up a name. When someone comes up to him and says, what's your name? He goes, Bond, James Bond. Like he didn't even come up, he didn't even come up with a different name to try to be sneaky. He said, this is me. You know who I am. I know who I am. I'm going to take you out. Y'all follow me on this? In the kingdom of God, that's how we're supposed to function. That the enemy knows who we are. We know who we are. Everybody else knows exactly who we are. That's that's that that there's a grit to being a man of presence. It's not just all soft, right? There's there's something that says, um, I'm going to step into something and I'm going to be um, uh, carrying something significant with me. It's called God himself. Now, you may say, well, Jamie, that's, that's kind of silly. But it's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal in the kingdom of God. I'm going to say something, and just follow me on this. I've come to a point where when I walk into a room, it is my expectation that any demonic force in the room knows exactly who I am because of who I carry. When I walk into a space, and it's not because I think I'm awesome, but because I'm developing a relationship with someone who is awesome, Jesus. So when I walk into a space, it is my expectation that in the spiritual realm, it is shifting because I showed up, because I'm carrying Jesus. Y'all follow me? And so there's something about that that we need a little bit of grit. Like if we're going to be men of presence, that when we walk into a space, the kingdom is ready to break out into that space because we're carrying Jesus. And the passages that come into mind are Acts 19. It's a crazy passage. It's Acts 19, 11 to 16. It says, And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hand of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the, by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. So in the spiritual realm, my development of, the, of, of a relationship with Christ is noticeable by the spirits. That's a thing. And sometimes we don't talk about that because we're so enamored with what we can see in the natural But here are these guys, they're just saying words, but they haven't actually developed a relationship with Jesus that carries power. 
Hear the words of Paul. You want to know how to walk in this? Hear the words of Paul, Philippians 3, 6 to 10. Whatever gain I have, I count it as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings becoming like him in his death. Being a man of presence is not just what happens in quiet time, but it means when when one walks into the room, the spiritual world goes, that person knows Jesus. When you, when, you, when you stand at a pulpit and get ready to teach and preach, there is a sense that is someone who has spent time with the Lord. And he's not playing games. <laughs> so the big idea of this message is this. Kingdom leadership is carrying the Father's presence into every sphere of my life. Carrying the Father's presence into every sphere of my life. So we're going to go through eight responsibilities of a man of presence. We're just going to kind of walk our way through these. You've got scripture passages there. I would encourage you to go back and look at all of these. I'm going to kind of move through them pretty quickly. But these are the responsibilities of a man of presence as I see them. Number one, find your strength in the Father's presence. So our our key verse again, Psalm 105.4, says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. So the, the psalmist is not saying just seek the Lord and his presence, but he says seek the Lord and his what? His strength. So we're to seek the the strength of the Lord. We're supposed to seek his power, seek who he is. And there's a, there's a concept that, um, have you ever heard the phrase, um, great leaders are great followers? Like you want to be a great leader, you need to learn how to follow. You want to be a man of strength, a, a man who carries strength, then learn what it is to trust in the strength of the Father. You want to be strong, talking about in our family life, we'll be strong for our kids, strong for our spouses. Learn how to rest in the strength of the Father for you. Because sometimes when we think, i got to be strong, we're actually trying to be strong in and of ourselves. It doesn't work. (laughs) We ain't that strong, boys. But we get infinitely stronger when we rest in his strength. Because I don't have to be the big man. I already have a big man. And he's moving through me. Yeah, that's good. Seek the Lord in his strength. His strength. Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. So when, I, when I'm walking out in the world, it is battle, friends. 
And we may not be able to see it because like here, we are blessed here in America with freedom. And it's amazing. But we don't understand that there's actual spiritual warfare happening. And if I just walk out there willy-nilly thinking everything is fine, I'm going to get I'm going to get attacked. And so will you. He says be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. So we all want to be strong, strong as men. I think that's a value that guys have. We want to be strong. The best way to be strong is to rest in the strength of the Father. When you feel weak and self-conscious and anxious, run to the Father. Run to the Father. There's strength found in the Father. Second responsibility. Seek the Father's face in the secret place. Seek the Father's face in the secret place, which is what we were talking about last night. Here's the story of Moses. Exodus 33, 11-18. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Do you see that? So Moses is speaking face to face to the Lord in the presence of God as a man talks to another man. And then Moses would go off and he would begin to do work and have leadership over the people of Israel. And it says that his assistant Joshua would not depart from the tent. Joshua wanted to be in the presence of God. So Moses would go out, and later on in that passage, he says to God, he says, my, or God says, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses said, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Then Moses said, show me your glory. This man led an entire nation. <laughs> I mean, some of us have significant responsibilities in our, in our workplace. But none of us are leading an entire nation through a wilderness for 40 years. Amen? Amen. And what Moses said is, I don't, I'm not reading leadership books. I want the presence. If you don't go with me, then I'm, we're not going. I don't want to do this if you're not with me. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Like at work, like where you go to work, if the presence of God is not with you, I'm not sure that you're going to get what you need done done. It's a priority. And I'm talking about I'm talking about all jobs. There's there's a sense in which even when when I'm going to work, when I'm going up to the church, the office, I, I want him with me. I'm going to do infinitely better work with him with me than just walking away and just doing whatever I've got in my own strength. That's why we have the secret place. That's why we have the secret place to seek his face. Acts 4.13, the religious leaders says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they remembered that they had been with Jesus. So you have uneducated, common men, and the religious elite are looking at them like, Who are these boys? How are they doing what they're doing? In the natural, it doesn't make sense. And they go, oh yeah, those guys had been with Jesus. I want that to be said of me and of all of us. That when they're around us, they go, how? He's not that smart. How did he do that? Oh, he walks with Jesus. Oh, that person really, he doesn't have the capacity to pull that off. 
It must be Jesus. And I'm challenged by Moses. I mean, Moses saw some wild stuff, and he's still looking at the Lord saying, show me your glory. I want more. I want more of you. I saw the Nile turn to blood. I want more of you. I saw locusts and swarms of frogs. I want more of you. You can't rest on what you saw yesterday. I want more of you now. Show me your glory. Even Jesus, Luke 2.52, even Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. We don't, we don't stop. Like today, the Father has something to say to you today. Like I know he spoke to you last night, but there's more today that he wants to say. And this afternoon after lunch, there's more for him to say to you. And before you go to bed, he has more to say to you. There's more. He's infinite. Sometimes we think, okay, I came into faith. I'm a Christian. You know, I, I, I've done my Bible studies. I'm good. I know what I need to know. No, you don't. For all of eternity, we will learn more about God and we will not exhaust him. You're going to be learning about him for all. We're going to be learning more and more and more and more and more about him for eternity. And we won't get bored because he's that awesome. So why would I? Okay, I did my Bible. I did my Beth Moore Bible study. So I got that. No. By the way, I love Beth. I'm not trying to hate on her. There's more is what I'm saying. And tomorrow morning, there's more. I just sense the Lord, the Lord is trying to make us hungry for more of him. And you get him in the secret place. That quiet time we were talking about, Ben. That's where you get him. Go get you some. That's what I, that's kind of my mentality. Get you some more. (laughs) You remember how um, Moses came down off the mountain? Remember what was going on with his face? Remember that? Because he was in the presence of God. What was going on with his face? It wasn't acne. It was glowing. It was shining. There's a principle. When you get around people who have been in the presence of God, it's like spiritual cologne. You can smell it on them. It's like spiritual aftershave, beard oil. You can smell it on them like, "Mm, this person is enraptured with the presence of God. And what he's got, I want it. You can smell it on people. That's what I want for every single one of us. And wherever we go, people are like, I smell something on that guy. Yeah, your face may not be glowing like Moses, but there's something that you carry that someone says, what's going on with you? I want what you've got. Seek his face in the secret place. Third, listen and receive your identity from the Father. This is the story of Gideon, Judges 6, 11 to 16. The story of Gideon. Listen real carefully, boys. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizirite, while his son Gideon was beating wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? 
But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And Gideon said, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you. And you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Okay, so Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press, which, if you don't know what that means, you thresh wheat up on the top of a hill so that when you throw it up, the chaff is blown away by the wind. And a wine press is down in a valley area, and so you would never thresh wheat in a wine press. It doesn't work. The reason he's doing that is because he's hiding, because he's scared. He's trying to do his work, but he's scared of the bad guys. And the Lord walks up to him and says, hey, mighty man of valor. Is he a mighty man of valor? Not really. He's a scaredy cat. But identity comes not from what you're scared of, but who calls you. Like the call of God gives you identity, not the way you feel, not your competency, not the degrees that you've got. When the Lord says, this is what I'm going to do, it's time to go, okay. (laughs) Gideon was afraid. In the natural, he was afraid, but God had a plan. He said, I'm going to make you a mighty man of valor, and I'm going to use you to set people free. Gideon's identity was driven not by the way he thought about himself, but by what what the Father said about him. Are you all hearing me? And the same is true for every single man in this room. Listen, we've all messed up. We've all screwed up big time, including this guy. Big time. We got plenty of excuses for not being a man of valor. We got plenty of excuses for quitting. But it doesn't matter what we think. It matters what the father thinks about us. And when I'm listening, I'm listening, Father, what do you want to do through me? Regardless of what I'm feeling right now, I want to do what you've called me to do. A big piece of this, of this quiet time is sitting with the Father and asking him, what do you want to do? What, what have you put inside of me? Who around me needs to get set free? So listen and receive identity from the Father. Hmm. For some of you, um, you've had dreams over your life. You've had dreams. And for some of you, you feel like those dreams are, um, that they're lost and they're gone. And the father is saying, "Mm -mm." father saying, I will use you. I will use you. Fourth responsibility. Have a send me posture. Have a send me posture. Isaiah six, one to eight. 
In the year that King Uzziah died, I, this is the prophet Isaiah, I saw the Lord sitting up on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two they covered their face, two with their feet, and two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. But my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. Being men of presence is having a posture that says, no one else seems to be going, but I will go. I don't see anybody around me who's really running after the Lord. I don't care. Send me. It's got a little bit of that grit in it. Don't wait for someone else to lead. You go ahead and lead. Don't wait for someone else to push you into something. Send me. I'll go. I mean, Jesus looks at his disciples, says, peace be with you. This is after the resurrection. He says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you, boys. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And he sent them out. (laughs) Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. In them. That means there are things that the Father has designed for you to do before creation, before you were even created, before anything was created. He had plans for things that He wants you to do. So have a send me posture. I'll go. Before time began, you had things that you wanted me to do. Let's go. said this a couple Sundays ago. The story of Saul, man, he was king of Israel, but he just didn't follow the Lord. King Saul did not follow the Lord. You know what happened? The Lord found somebody who would follow him. He found somebody who said, send me. He found somebody who said, here I am, send me. He took David, a man after his own heart, and said, here you go, you be the king. You're going to follow me? Okay, you can be the king. I don't want to have any Saul assignments that I lose out on because I wasn't saying send me. And I don't want things before time began that God said, I want you to, I've got a dream for Jamie to do this amazing thing. See this person set free. See this person healed. I've got all these things that I want Jamie to do and I don't want to lose out on any of them. And I don't want someone else to come in and, and get to do what I was supposed to do. That's what a man of presence, send me. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Amen. 
Don't wait for someone else. Go get it. The kingdom is not a passive place, friends. The kingdom of God is not for passivity and just floating along. Yeah, whatever comes, I'm just going to roll with it. No. Have a send me posture. Five, be present with God and with others. Be present with God and with others. Men of presence are present wherever they are. And this is powerful, friends. This is a powerful way to live your life, to be completely present with the people that are in front of you. John five nineteen, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does. That means Jesus perceived of his life as if Abba's doing it, I'm doing it. Then John 12, 49, Jesus says, I don't even speak on my own authority. The Father has sent me. He has commanded me what to say and how to say it. This is God. And he's submitting to the, to the other member of the Godhead. It's crazy. Not only is I'm only going to do what I see Abba doing, I'm only going to say what I hear Abba saying. Now that is a powerful way to live life, wouldn't you say? I'm only going to do what I see Abba doing in this space. And I'm only going to say what I hear Abba speaking in this space. Let me, let me just illustrate this. I've started growing in, in and it's hard, <laughs> but I've started growing in um, really focusing on when I, if I'm sitting down with somebody and they're talking to me, Number one, I want to be present with them. I don't want to be daydreaming. I don't want to be thinking about something else. I'm not going to be checking my phone. I'm not going to be thinking about fantasy football. I hope, you know, I hope Aaron Rodgers scores some touchdowns. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm going to look you in the eye, and I, I want to be present with you. Amen. Am I perfect at that? No, I'm not. It's hard. I'm going to be honest with you. But there's a calling on our life to honor the person in front of us to be present with them jesus was present jesus wasn't thinking about a bunch of other people when he was standing in front of the woman caught in adultery he she's on his mind the woman at the well on his mind nicodemus coming to him at night on his mind lazarus on his mind and then resurrected there's something about saying, if I'm with you physically, I'm going to be physically present and emotionally present with you right now. I'm going to give you my attention. Plus, I'm going to give God attention. This is, where, this is what Jesus is describing. He's describing a relationship in which I'm standing in front of the person in front of me. I'm listening. I'm also listening to the Father for that person. This happens to me regularly. I'm talking to someone, they're talking to me, and the father is whispering about them. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That's what Jesus said. Isn't that what Jesus said? (laughs) He's present with Abba, the father, and he's present with the person in front of him. So to be a man of presence, cultivating the presence of God, when I'm in front of someone, I'm also, I'm listening to what they're saying, and I'm listening to what the father has to say about them. 
what, what's your heart for this person? I regularly ask when I'm talking to someone, especially if I start getting bored, <laughs> right? Father, what's on your heart for this person? Let me illustrate this and tell you a story. I, w- I was eating at a sushi place um, with Paul and Julie Raz. It's up in um, Norwood by the mall, Kenwood Mall. Yeah, there's a, su- there's a sushi place over there. And we just went, uh, we went there, we were eating, and actually I was prepping this stuff. Rob had just asked me to, uh, to teach, and so I was just thinking through Man of Presence, thinking through all that kind of stuff, and we were talking. And the waitress came over to me, uh, or to us, and was taking our order, and I looked at her, and I could not, I, I could not stop looking at her because the father just started talking to me about her. And I was like, oh, okay. So I wasn't very present. I just went back to eating. I was trying to just, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to do what's about to happen. Right? Sometimes we get like that. I'm eating. She comes back and I can hear the Lord saying, talk to her. Okay. So I looked at her and I just, I, I said, um, you know, this may sound weird to you. Sometimes this happens to me. Um, but the father says that you are really, really good with kids and you have a heart for teaching. Tears start welling up in her eyes and just falling down her face. This is in the middle of the sushi place in Kenwood. I said, he's proud of you. You're really, really good with kids. He loves that about you. So I got a little more brave. I said, okay. He also told me um, that you have pain in your back. Is that true? She goes, yeah, I have chronic pain in my back all the time. I said, he's going to heal you right now because he told me. So he prayed for her and her back was healed. Now, I'm not saying that like, ooh, I want to open your eyes. I want to get you hungry. But that's how Jesus walked through this life. He's standing in front of the person in front of him. And there's a, there's a, there's a perception in Jesus' heart that the kingdom of God wants to break through on this person right here. And it takes being present and being just a little bit brave and putting down the, the chopsticks and just... Every guy, woman, child you're around, when you're looking at them in the face, you have an opportunity to be present with them and present with the Lord. Because you've been cultivating his presence, cultivating his voice. You're listening to what he's saying, and you can release what he's saying right on them. And you'll see people healed, I promise you. Be present with others and have two-way listening. I'm listening to the person in front of me, and I'm listening to the Lord. Six, tied really closely. Do the works of God in power. 1 Corinthians 4.20. The kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. I'll be real honest. Um, I've been in church all my life, and I feel like a lot of times church is a bunch of this and not much power. Bunch of talk, 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 but nobody's lives are getting changed. Talk, 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 but nobody's getting healed. Talk, 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 but no one's getting set free. Y'all hear what I'm saying? The kingdom of God is not about talking. It's not about sounding smart. It's not about just saying stuff that you think is smart. It's about power. It's the power of God. 
Jesus, John 14, 12 to 14, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That verse shook me for literally six months. In 2013, that verse shook me for six months. Because I looked at the verse and I was like, even if you try to play games with the text, when he says the works in context, it's healing. Okay? It's not just being lovey. It's healing. He says, anyone who believes in me, this is Jesus talking, anybody who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And I looked at the text and I was like, I've never seen anybody healed. I've never spoken to someone and, 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 and they realized it was God speaking to them. I realized none of this was true of my life. And it drove me nuts. Because the kingdom of God is not about talk and reading, but about power. So, being a very intentional kind of guy, I was like, I, I grabbed hold of this text and I said, God... I want to see you move through me just like you move through Jesus. And I asked him and I asked him and I asked him. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. A lot of stuff didn't happen, but then stuff started happening. First person I ever saw healed miraculously, supernaturally like this, was a woman named Linda. She was in our church in Tulsa. And... Um, I had a dream actually about her and in the dream I went to her house and she was like laid up not doing well and I laid hands on her and I prayed for her and she was healed in the dream that day the next day I said okay well that's a weird dream because I don't usually dream about just random women in the church you know um she's like my grandmother's age so don't be weird about it um you know what I'm saying <laughs> so I called her I called her up I said I know this sounds weird I had a dream about you um, can I come over and pray? I think I'm supposed to pray for you I walk into her house she's on a couch she's watching TV she's on a couch she's got her legs out on the couch and she's wearing these slipper things she takes off her slippers I'm not kidding you man I'm not lying to you her feet were like this like curled curled down like your foot's supposed to be like that, you know, with the arch. It was like curled like this, like her toes were curled down. She was getting to the point where she could not walk anymore. Like she had gotten the special shoes so she could kind of like crutch around, but it, it, it was getting worse. And I've, been, and I've been going after John 14, 12 to 14 hard for like six months. And I've had this dream and I'm like, well, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I think I'm supposed to pray for you. I put my, I put my hands on her feet, put my hands on her feet, and I just... I don't even remember what I prayed. And I watched these feet. I'm not kidding you. Her feet went like this, and they went completely healed. Completely healed. Because there was something inside of me that said, I'm tired of talk, talk, talk. I want to see you move. I want to be a man of presence. Acts 10.38 you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. 
Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. The reason Jesus was healing people was because God was with him. The presence of God was, that's what the passage says. That he was anointed by the Holy Spirit with power. And guess what? You and I have the same Holy Spirit by faith in Christ. The same Holy Spirit. Do the works in power. Seven. Stand as a wall for those in your care. It's First Samuel 25, 15 to 16. Uh, David and the mighty men um, are engaged with Abigail and her family. And one of Abigail's servants comes up to Abigail and says this. says, These men were very good to us, and we suffered no harm. We did not miss anything when we were in the fields as long as we went with them. They were a wall to us, both by night and by day, all the while we were with them keeping the sheep. You see, David had this crew of mighty men. And the way this servant perceived of David and his men is when we're around them, they're almost like a wall of protection for us. There's, there's, there's something in these warrior men that, that we feel safe with these men. That they're like a wall, they're a shield for us. Isaiah 62, 6 and 7, Dennis mentioned this last night. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All day and all night they shall never be silent. They will pray. They will look to the Lord in remembrance. They will take no rest. They will pray. There's something to be men of presence that the people around us experience us as a wall of protection around them. Because we're strong? No, but because we have found strength in the one who gives it. That the men and women and children in our life that God has given to us in our care should experience us as men of presence as a wall around them of protection. That they know everything could be going crazy in my life, but Jamie has got my back and Jamie is praying for me. That's what I want my wife and my kids and those in my care to say. It's the responsibility of a man of presence to be a wall. To be a wall. Friend, I ask you, who has the Father put in your care? Start thinking about them. If you lead a Bible study, you lead a small group, those people are in your care, friend. Maybe not at the same level as a spouse and kids, but they're still in your care. Are you a wall for them? Your spouse, your immediate family, are you a wall for them? When you're spending time in prayer, Are you listening to what the Father would say about them and for them? I want to know, I want to know God's heart for Jess, my wife, so that I know how to love her and care for her. Because I'll be honest, I don't know if I'm the only guy here, but sometimes I don't know how to care for my wife. Right? But Abba does. He created her. 
He knows exactly what she needs. And if I will just listen, he'll tell me. Same way with my kids. Who has the Father put in your care to be a wall? And are you taking them to the Lord in prayer? Are you taking them? Are you standing for them and saying, Father, what's on your heart for my wife? What's on your heart for my brother? What's on your heart for my sister? Stand as a wall. And then finally, belong to a wall. Belong to a wall of mighty men who carry the presence of Abba. 2 Samuel 23, 8-39, I'm not going to read all of that, but that lists the mighty men, David's mighty men. And see, I think when I say, are you a wall, that's great. It's good to be a wall for the people in our care, but you also know that all of us can be a wall for our communities. Like the, the men of MCC and the men of New Mission should be a wall for their churches. Every small group that has men in it should be protected and prayed over with a wall. Our worship services on Sunday morning should have something different about them because the men of MCC and the men of New Mission show up at worship to be a wall for everyone to be there. Our worship services should be completely different because men of presence have shown up. What would happen to our churches if we as men showed up every single time? What would happen in your small group if just you showed up? And I'm not talking about being present physically. Showing up. It would literally change our communities. Madisonville, going to get changed. Marymount, going to get changed. If men showed up. Locked arm in arm, just like last night. Locked arm in arm. Yes, we have individual responsibility, but we also have a responsibility to be a wall together. For our community. And these mighty men, they're called the Giborim in Hebrew. The Giborim. These are mighty men of valor. They, they're heroic and they each have individual skills. I mean, one dude went down in a pit and killed a lion. Another guy just taking out 800 Philistines, so much so that his hand was like stuck to the sword because he was, he was holding the sword so strongly. Literally, he, could, he couldn't release his hand because the muscles were so tight. They all had different skills, different abilities, but together they were a mighty group that were a wall for their community. David kills Goliath, right? Then these mighty men show up. They gather to David. You know what happens with these mighty men? Three of them start killing giants, including Goliath's brothers. There's a principle at play. Get around other men that are going hard after God, and you'll go hard after God. To use this language, you want to slay some giants? Go get around a man who has already slayed one. And if you can't find one, then just go ahead and pick up some stones and do it yourself. Are y'all hearing, y'all hearing the, the, the gut here? You get, you're going to be like the guys you surround yourself with. 
You want to see somebody healed? Go get around somebody who's seen somebody healed. You want to slay some giants? Then go get around a giant slayer and hang out with him. And then build a wall together. You will become like who you hang out with. You want to be lame? Go hang out with lame guys. You want to be weak? Go hang out with weak guys. You want to be someone who's not present and is shirking responsibility? Go hang out with guys who are doing that. But if you want to be a man of presence, then let's be men of presence together. You will be who like you hang out. You will be like who you hang out. I'm telling you, the Lord is doing something, a new mission at MCC. He's calling out men to rise up and be men of presence. Stop playing games and be men of presence. Okay. Let me pray. Father, I bless what you're doing. Bless what you're saying to me and to these men. And I ask more, Lord. More of what you're doing, more of what you're saying. I ask for more fire for these men, for my own heart. I ask for more hunger for you in my heart and in the heart of these men. Would you give us more hunger for you, more passion and zeal for your glory, more grit for your kingdom? more of your presence. Would you show us your glory? Would you show us your glory? We don't want to be men of passivity. But we want to be men of intentionality and kingdom grit and presence. Amen. Okay. Let's get practical with it, boys. On the back side of that handout, we're going to practice listening prayer again, but this time we're going to change it up just a little bit. This time, because I'm, I'm wanting to give us some tools for what is this going to look like? Like, how, how am I going to have listening prayer for the people in my life? How am I going to be a wall for them? How am, I, how am I going to pray for them? So what we're going to do is we're going to do the same exercise we tried last night. But instead of listening for yourself, what I want you to do is you're going to pair up. And what you're going to do is you're going to ask the Lord and listen to the Lord using the same four keys, stillness, vision, flow, journaling, for your partner. Does that make sense what I'm saying right now? So I'm not, you're not listening for yourself, you're listening for your partner. So instead of at the top of the page saying, Lord, how do you see me? You're going to write, Lord, what would you like to say to, and then write out your partner's name. Okay? So this is listening prayer for another person. And the reason we're modeling this is so that when you go into the Father's presence tomorrow and you're going to be praying for spouse or family members, this is, this is what you can do. It's a practical tool. Okay? Um... Let's just talk through it real quick. So remember, key one, get still, get quiet. Confess any sin that you may have. Just get still. And even ask the Lord for stillness. Second, picture Christ with you. And in this example, I would actually picture Christ. I do this all the time. I will picture Christ with the person I'm praying for, just standing right next to each other, maybe looking at each other. So I'm picturing Christ and this person that I'm praying for. 
We're tuning to flowing thoughts. So I'm, I'm just saying, Lord, would you speak? And whatever is sort of flowing in my mind, even if it's a picture or a song or a scripture or whatever, whatever's flowing to me, I'm going to write it down. My eyes are closed. Okay. Yep. Yep. Just, but I'm a very visual person, so I'll get distracted if my eyes are open. But I'm, I'm picturing Jesus and this person. I'm praying and I'm writing down what I'm hearing him say for this person and what, what his heart is for that person. And then I'll, I'll save the rest of the instructions for a little bit later. Uh, we can talk about that in a second. But I'm going to give you a minute and a half to find a partner. And I'll just say this. It'll be easier if you find a partner that you don't know very well. I'm just going to be honest with you. Find a guy that you don't know really well. I'm going to give you a minute and a half to do it. Break. Go team. Yeah, so, yeah, so Thomas and Mark... And, and so Thomas is listening for Mark. Mark is listening for Thomas. But we're not talking to each other. We're, we're closed eyes writing down what we hear. Okay? Yeah, good clarification. I'll give instructions on that right after we're done. So y'all don't even worry about that. You're just writing down what you hear for five minutes. Let me pray for us and bless you, and then we will start. Father, I bless these men. I bless them with ears to hear you. I bless what you, your heart for these men. <laughs> your heart is for them, for their good. And Jesus, I thank you that you said we are your sheep and we hear your voice. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you will open ears right now and open eyes to see and to hear what is your heart for this other partner. So we bless this time. We ask, Father, now that you will speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Get still. Picture Jesus. They don't have to receive anything that you've said. This stuff gets sideways when someone says, oh, it's from the Lord. You have to do it. Nope. Okay? So that's number one. We're not saying you have to do this. We're not doing any of that stuff. You have no authority or control over the person. This is a humble servant. You're, you're, you're functioning as a servant and saying, this is what I think I heard God say. I'm going to hand it to you. You can do what you want to do with it. You can receive it. You can test it. You should be testing it. You should be re- saying, is this from the Lord? Does this sound like scripture? Does this sound like his voice? Is this from the Lord? Or you can go, I don't think that's from the Lord. And that's perfectly fine because we're practicing and none of us sees fully we all see in part Paul says okay so I'm just being really really clear I don't mean to scare anybody I'm just I just want to be really really clear that we're 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 functioning this is how you love somebody right it's saying I think I'm hearing this from the Lord that's what I said to the sushi lady sushi girl waitress uh, I think I'm hearing from the Lord but I'm not sure I'm just going to give this to you 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 test it and you do what you want to do with it once I once I've handed it to you I don't have no more control over that situation. In fact, I'm probably going to forget what I, what I wrote down. Here you go. Follow? So all we're doing is saying, I think I heard this, and just share what you saw or what you heard. Or if, if it was more like, I just felt whatever. I felt his love for you or whatever. Um, just share it with the person, and then you're asking them, does that resonate with you? And then let the person discern, Respond. They, it may be like, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what's going on. Or it doesn't really make sense right now. That's fine. We're just practicing. Fair? So I'm going to give you about five minutes. Just look at the other person. And again, it's that posture of a, of a servant. 
who wants to be the greatest among you should be the servant of all. So it, it is, a, is a humble act of, this is what I think I heard the Father say, and just, and just read it out or just say what you wrote down. And we'll, we'll do both sides. One person goes, the other person goes. Sound good? Go for it. Who wants to share something like that was really, really cool that you want to share with the group um, that, that you heard for another guy or another guy heard for you that you would want to share just as an encouragement? Who's got something? Come on, Lewis. So I had Billy, and I heard three things about Billy, and, and he actually confirmed all three. Uh, one, one is that he's a man of courage. The second thing I heard is that he's a man of commitment. And then the last thing uh, was uh, there's a shifting and with a question mark because I didn't know what the shifting was. And when I shared it with Billy, he said that it's the shifting is what's happening in his life as it relates to Christ and how he's growing closer and closer to Christ and the things that he wants to be as far as a good father, a good husband, or building blocks that Christ is actually building in this life, and that's the shifting that's going on. So that's what I got for Billy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. 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 So, so that resonated with you? Yes, very much so. So this is, what, this is just a, a regular practice. If we give a word to someone and it resonates, then we just want to bless them with that word. So, Lewis, if you'll come back up since you get a word... And it's just a simple, we just thank you, Father, for speaking. We just bless Billy with that word. Father, I thank you for speaking to me with clarity. I thank you for uh, the commitment you placed in Billy's life. I thank you for the courage you've given him. And I thank you for the shifting that's happening in his life. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, 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 yes. Awesome. Yeah, that's just a practice that I, I try to get into is is if the Lord's saying something and that person sort of immediately responds, yeah, that's, that's from the Lord, then let's bless that. Let's pray for that and let's ask for God to do that thing, make the shift, give you the, the capacity to, for the shift, all that stuff. Great. Anybody else want to share? Derek, come on. Come on. I want to preface this by saying I, he knew nothing about me um, awesome. going into this. Well, let me tell him what I said, what I said about you. You can do the same with me. <laughs> 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 All right, this is what I've seen. I've seen him with uh, a little girl about four or five years old with brownish hair, and he was holding her hand walking. Then the other one that I've seen also, which I Kind of skeptical about writing it down. I was like, well, is this what I'm really supposed to write down? But he said write down everything you're seeing, even though I was like, well, okay. But I seen him with, I seen him on his knee with a woman with brownish, like dirty blonde hair. Mm. Mm-hmm. You want to confirm what? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I have a, a five year old daughter with like dirty brown hair uh, that I enjoy going on hikes with all the time. Um, and Dennis knows this, that, and Rob kind of said something in a prayer last night. I've been trying to, I was married for 11 years and did some things I wasn't proud of and ended a relationship and always tell people, I always went to church, but I wasn't really at church. So it wasn't like the president, I wasn't a man of presence. I went to church, but it was more like, eh, I'm at church, God likes me, but I didn't do anything. 
And like, I came here two years ago, Dennis, two years ago, and I was like, I decided to try to become a man of presence, and I'm trying to work things out with my ex so we could become a family. Yes. And it, her description is exactly the exact same thing. No, know I, any of that stuff. I talked to him a lunch, but I don't know anything about him. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. The kingdom is not a matter of talk, but of power. That's good. That's straight revelation to this guy about this guy. That's how much the father loves Derek, that he's going to speak to this guy Amen. for Derek. Amen. 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 Charles, pray for Derek. Just bless him, bless his daughter, bless X, bless uh, restoration of that relationship. Go for it. God, thank you for uh, giving me the insight on Derek and... Giving him the information that he needs to be able to move forward in life. Yeah. Amen. Trying to get away from this, but uh, and again, <laughs> and I, I told him I'm not real good at this, so this is like my first thing. So when I was sitting there picturing, you know, Charles, um, God told me that He was pleased with him, that He's a hard worker, He makes sacrifices for loved ones. His children sometimes push him back uh, or give him pushback, but they know he loves them and he will do anything for them. His job is difficult and challenging, and there's something happening with, with that, but things will get better. Mm. So from when you heard that, what was going on? Like, you confirmed, does that resonate with you? It does resonate. You know, as far as life being challenging, kids always pushing back. You know, I raised uh, my niece. Um, she came, my wife's sister's daughter, she came from a very hard area where her mom was a, was still is a drug user. And she's always, even to this day, pushing back, even though she lives with me. <laughs> but I, you know, I've, I've graduated two kids from college, which she's one of them, and got one more that's in college right now, which is a financial strain for someone who has a pilot, so it's like sending two kids to college. <laughs> But he's saying, hey, things are going to get better. And he kind of, you know, seeing what's going on with that. And, you know, I, you know, get him graduating, I move forward. And the kids always push back and I always tell them, I was like, you know, they always tell me what they want. I said, well, you know, dad drives the worst car in the house. What's going on with you guys? You're like. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, perfect. Derek, put your hand on Charles and just simple prayer, just blessing him on what you saw. Lord Jesus. Bless Charles and his family. Give him the ability to provide for them. Let, him, let his children know how much that he truly loves them. Uh, and I'm, Charles knows that his children love him. And I bless him and his family uh, for, uh, for future. Amen. 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 I love this stuff, man. I'm not going to lie. Okay. All right. We're going to move into a, a new arena now. Um, and maybe what we ought to do, uh, I'm going to call Dennis up here in a second, but maybe we just take about 30 seconds just to stand up and stretch, kind of move it around a little bit, <laughs> just kind of stretch it up.
So we're going through uh, being men of presence and standing as a wall. Um, and also uh, at Marymount, we're going through uh, the book of James. And uh, in James, it talks about a faith that is pure and blameless. Mark, you want to recite that scripture for us? That's what I'm talking about. So, um, and, and, and stay up here. So uh, the, the person I'm going to be talking about, her name is Tony Hilgen. She's a single mom with two boys. And I think very close to that scripture is single moms, um, that uh, there are no husbands and, and the, 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 uh, uh, the father is no longer in the boys' lives. Would that be correct mm-hmm. uh, interpretation? Okay. Yep. So, um, Tony Hilgen, wonderful woman. I know her. Uh, her oldest son is my son, same age. They've gone to school. I've known that their whole family for about a decade. Um, her house caught fire about two years ago, um, so they were displaced for about a year. Um, the insurance company and the contractor through the insurance company at some point, they just stopped doing work over a very minor uh, squabble over $100. Um, really put them out and, 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 uh, or put her and her family out. Um, and she had to work to get out from under that contractor. Um, and when she did, she found more men that were, uh, she could subcontract the work to, but they deceived her. And uh, they're actually in court not only with Tony, but with many people who have come against them because... They either uh, uh, didn't complete the work, uh, the work they did was shoddy, or they never even, never even started the work. So for uh, starting at the beginning of September, we had um, uh, community days. Uh, the uh, large community in Fairfax came together. She lives on Wooster, right, in Fairfax, right behind that uh, skyline. And the house was just a mess. We did a complete teardown. Uh, there was people from the community, like myself. Uh, there was actually contracting groups that had specialized skills, and they were incredible and amazing watching these guys. It was like watching a, a group of ants just go over the house and tear it down. And then uh, uh, so all the, the, the outside of the walls came down, new wood and um, water-damaged uh, wood and insulation was taken down, and then things were put back up. So there's still there's a lot of work that's been done. The house looks amazing, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. And right now it's just Tony and her and her two boys. And you'll see them. I see them. You know, uh, every night. You know, she has an eight to five job, and her and her son are out at night. They've got all the materials still in the in the yard, and they're working till seven, eight, nine o'clock every night and this has been going on for months so uh what dennis and i talked about was what if we got a group of men uh that could come out for one day and what dennis and i are thinking about is two weekends from now uh saturday october 19th and what we're looking for is guys um the the things that need to be done is if you know how to spackle if you know how to take a a nice caulk gun 
put, put, put a little bit of water on your finger and make, make a nice bead of caulk. We need guys like you, right? So if you're that guy, we could use two hours of your time that day. If you know how to cut um, molding, right, measure and cut molding and drive it in, we need you. If you know how to uh, uh, cut, right, corners with a paintbrush, that's a very specialized skill. Not many men have it. If there's anybody in this room that's got it and you can give two hours of your time, we can use it. Uh, if uh, general painting, you know, priming and painting on the, either the inside or the outside of the house and you can do it without, uh, you can do it very carefully without creating a lot of spatter, we could use your help, quite frankly. So we'd like to get a few of you mighty men um, to come out Saturday, October 19th, maybe start at 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, if you can come, fantastic, uh, and stay as long as, as you're able. But even just two hours of your time would be fantastic. I think that's it. Amen. And uh, I'll get the uh, information out to everybody through Rob. Is that okay, Rob? That's fine. Okay. Yes. Okay, guys, we've upped the ante. We want four hours. Two hours, you just get started. Oh, and by the way, guys, if you're the kind of guys I've just described, right, you know how to run a caulk line. I know you got a caulk gun at home. Get some white caulk for the inside. Just bring your own stuff, right? Come in, come out. Because uh, the materials, as you can imagine, is just spread all over. So if you guys can come in like a group of, of uh, what's the right word? Um, SWAT team. A SWAT team. You come in, you do your work, you come out. I know Tony's just going to feel blessed. And she's going, my hope would be she comes to me and she goes, who are these guys? Like, I wasn't even able to thank them. And I'll say, these are mighty men of God. And they're men with purpose. And they're here because Jesus loves you. I mean, what a great gift. So, thanks, guys. Thanks for the time, guys. Thanks, Sean. He's a guy who's already put in hundreds of hours on this thing. So he's coming from a place of, you know, join join me. Yeah. I just want to make sure there there may be guys that don't have your email address um, and phone number. I'm just going to throw a sheet up here. Um, Please, if you don't have good handwriting, please block that so I can read it. Because I may have your email address, but could never read your handwriting, so you may have never <laughs> received anything from me. Uh, so, if you're interested uh, and you want to make your yes a yes today, just give me your information, and that way I can communicate kind of what Sean's looking for. Cool. Perfect. All right. Uh, this next section is going to be so we we've talked about being in the presence of God and and becoming a man of presence. Then we've talked about hearing from God for ourselves, hearing from God for others. And now we're going to take it out into uh, the, what I'll call the offensive world of prayer, mm-hmm. where, we, uh, where we actually have the authority to shift things in the heavenly realms. And so the prayer format that we've talked about so far, it's, it's actually modeled after John 17, where Jesus, where Jesus is connected to his Father. Uh, he, first of all, consecrates himself. So that's where we, you know, where Jamie taught us to confess our sin, to, to get right, to put the armor of God on, to get in God's presence. 
and then we, then we reach out to loved ones and we're providing that care and protection and whatever. We are expanding our spiritual footprint. Uh, the stronger we get in this, the more, the more time we spend alone with Jesus, the more oil we have. Uh, you know, the more oil you have, you can't transfer your oil to anybody. That's why in the parable of the virgins, the virgins who had oil couldn't give the oil to the virgins who had no oil. It's non-transferable. But the more you have, the more power you have. And that's why Jesus told them on the botched exorcism after the transfiguration, this one only comes out by prayer. So there's a level of where the more we practice this, the more we walk in this, the more yeah. authority we have. And, and, and when Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, he said to her, she's discovered the better thing, and it will not be taken away from her. See, it can't be taken away from you. The enemy cannot take this away from you. So this is, so I want to go into this kind of world of beyond, and we're just going to spend 20 minutes on this. I'm going to talk for five, and then we're going to pray together in groups of four for 15. But I had uh, a very strong, a very strong picture one day of a canopy of prayer over the city of great, the greater Cincinnati area. And this picture was very strong. And what, what I heard the Lord saying is, down in Cincinnati, I've got all this prayer going on. I've got all this prayer going on. But I want to I wanna make all little fires. I want to make a bonfire in here. And this bonfire is going to blow through all enemy interference over our city. And this canopy is going to be kind of like a, kind of like a military maneuver where uh, we set perimeter around our city and we cover it with prayer. Yeah. And other people have had the same picture. We sent out 15 emails. 12 people got on a phone call. We sent out more emails. And 45 people came to a meeting last September, just last month, September 19th. And to have prayer over Cincinnati 24-7, you, you, need, you need churches or ministries to take the first, the first Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the second, the third, the, the fourth, and then you need to take the fifth Sunday and the fifth Monday, Thursday, and the fifth Tuesday, Friday and the fifth Wednesday, Saturday. 32 shifts. And in the matter of the 10 days since that meeting, we've covered 25 of these shifts. Awesome. Jesus is raising up this canopy over the city of Cincinnati. And uh, each ministry, so on the third Monday, it's going to be Marymount Community Church. Marianne Bosager is the captain of that. And her job is to... Uh, invite, encourage, pray for, and resource intercessors to pray 24 hours that day. She's been working on this for five days. She already has 10 or 11 hours committed uh, for that 24 hours. And so uh, we, and now here's, here's the theology of this. Jesus said, if you agree together, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth 
will be loosed in heaven. So again, this is part of our authority when we carry the kingdom, we carry the presence of God, we are, we are equipped, we are licensed with all authority to call down the kingdom of God. And there's two, two kinds of prayers. There's the prayers that go up. There's prayers, heal my sister, you know, transform this, work that, you know, whatever, uh, which is us interceding. But there's also the prayer uh, which I call heaven down prayer, heaven to earth prayer, where we're actually calling down the kingdom of God. We're calling down angelic forces. We're calling down uh, the very things Jesus told to pray for. You know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, in Isaiah 64, Lord, rend the heavens, rip the heavens open like you ripped the temple curtain open and come and fill this place. Come and fill this place. Well, when we're practicing the presence, we can do that. We can call down the presence of God and we can call down the things of God. So, intercession uh, is not just giving our requests, but it's stepping in and inviting the presence. It's stepping in to our authority, to our right, to our leadership, and it's part of this being watchmen on the wall. And we're calling down things across the kingdom. So if we could just give everybody one of these. So the way this the way this canopy the way this canopy of prayer works is it it is uh, we're going to have one. This is a guide. This guide is going to come out every month. Every month uh, we're going to go back to all the captains who are leading the teams. They're going to feed back answered prayer. They're going to feed back. Here's what we think we need to pray for for our area for whatever. Uh, so you'll see in there, there's some very specific prayers, but there's also prayers for the kingdom to come. Uh, I didn't keep one of those. So, let me just... so uh, it starts off with worship, entering his presence, abiding in him, praising God for who he is, and thank him for three specific things. Again, this practice of thankfulness that, that ushers in the kingdom. Pray for yourself first. Repent of all known sin. Concentrate yourself. Put on the armor of God. You are entering into a cosmic war. Yeah. Right? So don't go in without your gear on. Yeah. Or you'll get, you'll get destroyed. But with your gear on, you're indestructible. Ask for the fruit of the Spirit. Remind yourself of the power of scriptural prayer. Pray for your family and friends. Now you're working your way up. And as you pray for him, you might write things down, things you're going to tell him that day. Most every single day, I will have my journal open, and I will go through my day. And I will ask God, do you have a word for that person for today when we get together? Or he might just say, just encourage them. That's all they need today. Or he might just say, share this verse with them. Or whatever it would be. Uh, Pray for acceleration of salvation in our communities. Pray for family members, friends, and co-workers that don't know Jesus by name. Pray for your church, your pastor, the leadership, the staff, the congregation, that we'd be outward 
and then you come into Greater Cincinnati's key domains. So we've got arts and media, we've got business, we've got churches, we've got developmental ministries. By the way, this is a, a this is written this way to be A B C D, so you can remember it if you're not if you're not in front of this. So A is arts and media, B is business, churches, B is developmental ministries, social services, parachurch, E is education, uh, G is government. Uh, F is family, G is government, H is healthcare, I is we pray for Israel and the Jewish people and uh, the peace over Jerusalem. Then we pray for international missions and what we've selected, at least for this month, is to pray for the 31 largest unreached people groups on the planet. These represent, they're on the next page, they represent 900 million people. Get this, they have the scriptures orally and in writing. They have the scripture translated. But there's less than a thousand believers in some of these things. And there's no sustained gospel witness. Right. So ask God to send laborers into the harvest. And if you're praying on the fifth day of the month, which is today, then that's pray for the Azerbaijani uh, who are in Iran. 16 million of them. And uh, almost no believers there. Then we go to uh, J, after I is J, we're praying Jesus' prayers and the prayers of the apostles. So we pray that over the, the city. Uh, then we pray that God will remove principalities and powers over greater Cincinnati. We're going after this month racism, violence, and fatherlessness. And then uh, as you pray through it, you're going you're gonna to get like, oh dude, you've got to pray for this. So, so feedback. So this is if, in a sense, if, if, if we are the mighty men of God, and we've got our armor on, and we're in the presence of God, this is, to the best of our ability, the things Dad wants prayed for over the city to change this city. Right. And uh, so what we're going to do, and I, I'm, I'm praying, you know, not just for, to fill the schedule and 24-7, I'm praying like for 10,000 people yeah. to be interceding over the city of Cincinnati. This was done about seven years ago in Whatcom County in northwest Washington State. A little, the main center of town of that is called Bellingham, about 300,000 people. They've been praying 24-7 for about five years. It took them a year and a half to get to 24-7, for five years. They have record church attendance, record baptisms, record um, church plants. Uh, they also have uh, no kids in the foster system awaiting care anymore. The churches have cleaned out the foster system. And they also have reduced crime on almost every measure of crime in their community. And so God, is, God has told us, if you agree amongst yourselves. And so I think what's particularly powerful about this is all these ministries saying, I'm going to lay down my deal and I'm going to pick up God's deal. Right. I'm going to pick up Jesus' deal for this city. So as mighty men of valor, we can change, as men of presence, we can change the spiritual climate of a city. That's right. Mm -hmm. 